We're going to spend two sessions on this passage. My goal is not to answer all the questions. I'll probably raise more questions than I will answer. My goal is to show you how rich a text like this is by pointing to five observations that flow from this text about ultimate reality. Oh, how profoundly our minds will be changed and altered and brought into conformity to ultimate reality if we slow down and let texts like this inform what we believe about great things. So, Father, teach us not only about the five things that I'll be pointing out, but way more than I'm able to point out. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Then he began to denounce. Jesus began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. Now, in this session, let's just make two observations from verse 20. Number one. The aim of the mighty works of Jesus. Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done. That would include things like healing and exorcisms and multiplying loaves and fishes and walking on water. But this is talking about doing them in cities, so probably not walking on water. But that kind of thing where most of his mighty works had been done because They did not repent. So he's denouncing the cities where most of his mighty works had been because they did not repent, which means that repentance is the goal of the mighty works. That's so important to see. Just dwell on it. Think about it. Many times we are given to believe by those who emphasize healing that human betterment Things going better for us, not going insane through demons or not being lame or not being blind or not uh, being hard of hearing or not having leprosy is the primary goal of the healing. It's not. The primary goal is repentance. They're getting denounced because even though the mighty works had been done, they weren't repenting. So, that's observation number one. The mighty works of Jesus have as their main design repentance. And where healing happens and repentance doesn't happen, woes are going to come. your, Your situation is going to be worse because you were healed if you don't repent. Here's observation number two. And it's more striking yet. This denunciation is happening on cities where most of his mighty works had been done 
And in those cities where most of his mighty works had been done, they were not meeting with repentance. And repentance in the Gospels always is correlated with faith or belief. Repent and believe is the command. These are two sides of the same coin. Where there's no repentance, there's no faith. Repentance is turning from unbelief and sin to faith and obedience. And faith is what happens when you turn from lack of faith. So what he's saying is most of his mighty works and miracles were done in cities where they were not believing. Now, we know this. We, we know, we can think of stories in the Gospels where Jesus, like in John 9, uh, simply walks into a situation where a man is, is uh, in need of healing and he, he heals him and the man then later doesn't even know who Jesus was. He's not believing until later Jesus finds him and he believes. So Jesus has the power to do his mighty works anytime, anywhere he wants, without any respect to a person's faith and repentance. Now, having said that, look at this. And they took offense at him at Nazareth. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there. He did not because of their unbelief. So in this case, the absence of belief meant not doing many mighty works, even though here most of his mighty works were done in cities where they weren't believing. So in Nazareth... He doesn't do many mighty works because of their unbelief. Mark is even stronger. He doesn't just say he did not. He says he cannot. Look at this. Mark 6. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his household. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. So here there's a correlation between unbelief and can do no mighty work, just as in Matthew 13, 58, there's a correlation between unbelief and did not do many mighty work. Or to state it the other way, here, there's a correlation between believing and doing many mighty works, just as here. There's an implicit correlation between believing and doing many mighty works. So what do we make of this could not, especially in view of this mighty can and did in verse 20 of Matthew 11? He denounced the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not 
repent and believe. I'm assuming there can be no genuine faith where there's no repentance. If you say, no way will I give up my unbelief and my uh, sin, you're not believing in the way Jesus calls for faith. So what do we make of this? And here's my attempt to make sense of it. This could not here is not an ultimate could not as though the Son of God Jesus Christ did not have the intrinsic power to do anything he pleased with regard to leprosy or blindness or multiplying loaves and fish or walking on water. He can do anything he pleased. He's God. This could not is the kind of could not that arises if Jesus resolves to correlate belief and a mighty work. If he walks into a town and he says to himself or to his father or to his disciples, in this town, I resolve to establish in my mind and behavior a correlation between believing and mighty works. He cannot break that resolve. He doesn't break resolves. So the cannot is created not by intrinsic inability, but by his establishing a correlation between belief and mighty work, which must have been the case for some reason in his hometown of Nazareth. He, he basically walks into that town and he says, I am not going to do mighty works here where I meet with unbelief. Therefore, when he meets unbelief, he says, I can do no mighty works here because he has established that plan. This verse here is massively important. Number one, all his mighty works aim at repentance. Number two, he did most of his mighty works where people did not believe. Three more observations next time.